Annyeong SAO. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the haul you wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> so uh, we're all still here, still together. I mean, I feel like we are in the year that never ends. Like it's 20, it's Groundhog Day 2020. And I just don't know when it stops. And I think that's very apropos of the drama that we're doing today that I feel like we are just so stuck. I'm coming off of a weekend of having to quarantine because we had a COVID positive in our house. Everybody's fine here. And the child that was COVID positive is fine and always was fine. And we only knew that they were positive because, you know, we do volunteer weekly testing, but it's just, I feel like the anticipation of it now is giving me more anxiety than what'll happen if, and when I finally get it. So it's just, I, I don't know. I feel more anxious about this now than I did when it first started. And I, again, I think it's very apropos of the drama that we're talking about today that I'm kind of in this sort of funk, which thank goodness for K dramas to get me out of it. Right. And I felt like in my world, it was like, so you're feeling funky about COVID. So let's just have a tsunami. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Seriously. So, yeah. Saturday morning we woke up and had, so I woke up at six to do some writing and checked the news and, you know, saw that there was this volcanic eruption in Tonga and quickly connected the dots that my husband's on the equator on an atoll with 24 people that is at sea level. And so I knew that basically I was getting the news like a bit late, you know, like they were like the tsunami's almost at California, like basically like in an hour, the tsunami shall be in on the coast of California. So I was kind of like, oh, well, it's a little funky that I haven't heard from him. And so I reached out because we can text each other and, you know, my text went unread for a while. So I just like went about the morning just being like, well, taking my son to mountain biking and my daughter to ballet and checking my phone every 10 seconds and just kept being like, hello, (laughs) because it was, it was very futile because I knew no one was going to answer, but my panic began to like have like a slow escalation. But long story short, just because I don't want to bury the lead, everything was fine. It ended up being just a very unfortunate coincidence that their combs was knocked out, not related to the tsunami. Oh, it wasn't related to the tsunami. No, they're. Uh, oh my gosh. Okay. I mean, it's a remote, tiny atoll that right. has, right. you know, yeah, issues sometimes. And so, yeah, they were totally fine. They had no impact because I guess geologically, I don't, I can't really speak to it, but my husband was explaining basically like where this island is located some of the topography of the ocean off like the shelf near the island makes it so that like the historical record doesn't seem to have a lot of tsunami impact. So that's good. So we actually had much more of an impact in Santa Cruz than we did or than he did. And our impact was like, nobody was harmed, but there was like quite a bit of infrastructure damage and like cars went underwater and stuff like that. You sent us some links to some video of what was happening inland, didn't you? Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was bigger than what I saw for, because we were here for Fukushima and that had a tsunami 
not a very big one, but it caused damage in the harbor with boats coming off their moorings and just damaging each other. Um, and this time the harbor obviously flooded again, but it was like a much bigger flood this time that like cars were up to like their windshields and water. And oh, wow. Anyway, so par for the course for the drama we're talking about. Tonight. Right, but seriously. <laughs> but before we like dive into that, let's have a little happiness. And yeah, Megan's got something real exciting happening. And so we're excited for her to have something to look forward to. I'm going to be in a crowd of... Eighteeny, which is the fan name for ATs, the K-pop group, and I'm very excited. So my daughter and I are going. Leah, the only my only concern is like it's going to be cold, like cold as balls, and it's in New Jersey winter. It's going to be like 28 degrees. So Leah was like, "Bring hand warmers," which I hadn't even thought about that. So, and we have like a whole bag of them in our garage because my husband bought them for my son's like soccer tournaments and stuff. So I have like a crap ton of those disposable hand warmers now packed and I'm going to bring a lot of granola bars to make sure that I'm fed and my daughter will be good to go. So I'll definitely be updating everyone about the concert, just like we did with uh, Leah's BTS experience. Yeah, we're excited to hear about it. And I want to see some light stick selfies. Yeah, I'll be taking selfies. Don't you worry. I really can't wait. The Chicago, like, I I really, I don't want to like spoil myself. I'm going with a friend of mine and she said the same thing. She was like, I'm trying to avoid the videos. I don't want to spoil myself. But it's hard because, you know, obviously a lot of my social media algorithms are like directing me straight to 80s content. And it just looks really positive. Can we circle back a second to all the granola bars that you're bringing? Do they... Is there no food in New Jersey? No, it's just, I'm like <laughs> paranoid. Like you don't understand. I'm what like, do you think gonna ha- are you going to get stranded? I think you're, you, you don't understand. Megan. I am always paranoid that I'm going to be left without food. I don't know how I, it's like, it's like a complete, wait, so Megan, I, I applaud to- this. I applaud this because I have seen later in the script where Amy talks about what her personal bunker stash would look oh, yeah. like. And I have yeah. nothing but shame for Amy. And so Megan, props to you for being prepared. Well, okay. So here's the deal. So I, okay. I just had to tell a quick story. So when I was in college, well, I've always had like, I have low blood sugar issues. So I do have to eat very frequently or um, I get really shaky and ill and things like that. And, but that's it. I mean, this isn't... <laughs> Like a lot of people have low blood sugar issues. Okay. It's not like I'm like super unique, but my mom like would always be like, I think it, I have like a complex. Do you know what I mean? Like my mom would always be like, do you have your crackers? Okay. So when we were going, so in college, <laughs> when we went on spring break. Okay. So we flew down to Florida. Then we took this like cruise ship to Bahamas. It sounds fancy, but it's not. We were on like college budget and everything was very low class. But anyway. They said that no food was allowed on the cruise. And I was like, oh, but like I need, I always had these peanut butter. Like I was like a mom, even in college, I always had these peanut butter crackers with me. And I was like, but what I need to, you know, my mom, my mom was like freaking out. She was like, you can't have food. What are you going to do? You need your peanut butter crackers. <laughs> and my, I remember my best friend was like, uh, what are you going to tell the cruise that you have like a prescription for peanut butter crackers? And I was like, I. I'll be okay. So anyway, it's uh, that's like Aren't my thing. Like food wagons. I've never been on like a big like Caribbean cruise, but I felt like they just like feed you all the time, all the time. No, th- well, all the time. This was a very. This was not. This was not a. I need. To, <laughs> this was not a fancy Caribbean cruise. Okay, this was like a small ship that I had motion sickness the whole time. It was. It was like, a tugboat. No, it was like. <laughs> 
kind of a cruise, but it was like a small cruise ship. And it was only, I think it only went from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas, which is only like a couple hours or something like that. It's like a really short trip. Okay? That sounds like a great cruise. You took a cruise for a couple of hours. It was very that's not a cruise. That's a boat ride. It wasn't a cruise. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it was technically a cruise. <laughs> your cruise, your cruise was like a two-hour boat ride. <laughs> oh my god, my stomach hurts. But she I'll can't go, go two home. hours without peanut butter crackers. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my god! And Leah's <laughs> shaming me for wanting Twizzlers in my bunker. Oh, I know. I had. Uh, I'll send you pictures. I swear it was like a cruise ship, but it was like how long? Tiny were, how ship. long were you on the cruise ship for? <laughs> I don't remember. I was. I was. I was like drinking. Oh my god! Did you a cruise, on Megan. The- a cruise is a vacation on a boat. <laughs> Let me. I don't know. Oh my god. I'm going to go into labor. I don't even have a child in me. Oh my that, was God. Like, that was like part of the trip package was like this exciting. <laughs> what was the actual trip? You were just in Florida and you took a boat ride. No, it was to the Bahamas. Okay. We went to the Bahamas. So we flew down to Florida and then from Fort Lauderdale, we went to, we, we <laughs> took so you traveled from to the Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas on a boat. On a boat. That's not a cruise. <laughs> they called it a cruise. It's like <laughs> better. There was like performances on the cruise. It was like a. It was. It was <laughs> better than the hotel that BTS will stay at. <laughs> I mean, look, this was really oh low budget. God. It was like strictly for college spring break break kids. So like the whole cruise ship was like full of like spring breakers. Was it just dropping you off in the Bahamas? <laughs> Yeah, but this, well, this is a, yes. And then, <laughs> so it's like a plane ride, but on water. I'm going to die right now. I can't. I don't have the ability to withstand it. Well, well, this is the thing too. It dropped us off at this hotel, and so the whole point of this like package was that you, you got like free alcohol because again, it's the spring break, whatever. Yeah. And I still remember we showed up to like the hotel. And there was like a huge line to check in. So we were like, oh, well, we'll just go around to the back and like, look at the beach. Okay. So we go mm-hmm. around and there's these like massive barrels of liquid. And we're like, what is in these things? So we like lean over and it's like, it's rum punch, just a massive barrel of lukewarm rum punch all over the beach. And we're walking down this path and some, some guy just comes stumbling in front of us, throws up all over the walk <laughs> and then just keeps it moving. I wish I was on this cruise. <laughs> this was my that was my first oh did you have your peanut butter crackers at least yeah but i i think i smuggled them on i think yeah so the reason that they probably didn't want you to bring them was a quarantine issue probably because they probably didn't want you to bring the zombie fucking apocalypse to the bermudas (laughs) and your peanut butter crackers because you were traveling oh my god i can't i can't on her cruise oh my god on your cruise and you had quarantine rules which is why I they said don't bring the crackers because you're going into another country and they said no yo you can't just bring fucking food put your fucking ritz bits away <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna send you pictures i swear to god i feel like i just did a full ab workout on megan's cruise. it was a party boat 
They dropped you off. I'm not doing. I'm not doing the. I like that she had no idea what she was walking into. I'm not talking. He's like, no. We're both like, there's food on cruises. Like cruises are just known for. They are. I've been been on a couple. Like we didn't cruise. This was right. It was a boat. Like we didn't get a cabin. We had you had to pay extra. Diesel tugboat (laughs) taking you across the ocean. (laughs) An hour and a half off the coast. Okay. I'm not talking in the beginning anymore. No more stories. Megan, what's great about this is I just never know where the night's going to go. Seriously. Is it going to be farts in a jar or two-hour cruises? No one knows. Yeah. And for anyone who is joining us relatively new, Megan did stay at a hotel that <laughs> BTS almost stayed at once. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like another 20-minute story. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Let's cruise on into this episode, huh? Well, okay. I'm full of happiness right now. How is everyone else feeling? Cruise on into the episode. I needed that tonight. Thank you, Megan. You're happiness. welcome. Glad I can help out. <laughs> can you share some more happiness with us now? Happiness is a 2021 drama about a virus outbreak that takes place in the near future and directly references living in the aftermath of COVID. It stars Park Hyun-sik in his comeback drama after his military discharge as a very heroic police detective and Han Hyo-ju as an alpha heroine who is ready at all times to help people and also kick ass. Like the zombie movie hit Train to Busan, happiness takes place on a mostly closed set. But instead of a train, this is an apartment building, one where everyone has their own motivations and clearly didn't learn much from the COVID-19 pandemic. The humans are terrible. The virus is unique and shifty. And our leads, well, they are pure cinnamon rolls who you'll want to protect. The writer Han Sung-woon has four other drama credits to his name, as well as a few movies, and had previously teamed up with Happiness Director on 2019's Watcher. I couldn't find any interviews with the writer, but I did find some comments about happiness from the director on Gil Ho. He said he had a desire to portray the life of ordinary people, and that was the reason for the film Happiness. Quote, when I read the script, the scenario was really interesting and had the power to draw a viewer's attention. But the biggest reason for me to choose this drama was my plan to make a series that focuses on the stories and feelings of common individuals. The drama aims to show a journey to finding the true meaning of happiness when people are locked in an isolated area in a desperate situation. We chose this area to be an apartment building, which also shows one of the characteristics of Korean culture. Okay, so now we are going to get into the spoiler-free section and talk a little bit about the drama in general terms. So if you haven't seen Happiness, you can hang around and listen to us chat a little bit. I do recommend kind of trying to go into this drama as like blind as you can. It's, you know, I can say that we all liked it and um, it was a lot of fun, but I do think you should experience the surprises and twists for yourselves. So first question, what do you think about the title of the drama in relation to the director's comments? I like that you brought those comments up. It makes me like the title even more. Like it seems like a contradiction, a drama with a very scary viral outbreak right after we finally gotten COVID under control. But really it's quite fitting. At the beginning of the drama, all Sebum, our heroine wants, is her own apartment. That's what will make her happy. But you know what they say. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And if she would have stayed in the apartment she wanted so much, this drama would have been over in one episode, but we'll probably get to that. I really do like the title because one thing about this drama that I'm sure we'll mention a few times is that the focus is always on the characters. I mean, there is obviously like a massive virus outbreak and external plot going on, but it really is 
about the characters and their motivations and their goals. And their title reflects that. Like, how can these characters find happiness despite everything that's going on? Yeah, I feel like the show really does center on the idea of what makes people happy. And some of those drivers are good. A mother's love for a child, a long-held secret love for a friend, love for a sibling, love for a family member, even if someone's deeply flawed, or even love for oneself and finding the courage to escape a toxic relationship. But then there's the happiness that people can derive from things that are not so good, like power, privilege, money, control. So I think that while overall happiness is a really smart drama, it does fall back on some of these like pretty simple binary views. But ultimately, I think that's what helps make it commercially successful and hold is it's a fresh take on kind of a familiar premise. That's a good point. The themes make it relatable. Mm -hmm. And we kind of know the tropes of people who end up loving power or money and learn their lessons or whatever. But I think in this case, it worked in a fresh way. Yeah. So is it too soon for creative work to reference COVID just right? What do you think? I mean, (laughs) as much as I do have pandemic fatigue, I appreciated this drama was pandemic adjacent. It was something new. So it wasn't like I was watching people dealing with COVID, which we're all still doing right now. Instead, the writer gave us the opportunity to both distance ourselves from the pandemic, yet also dive into a new fictional and hopefully scarier pandemic. This gives us a chance to watch the drama, make commentary on how both the government and everyday people deal with a major health crisis, while not having to feel like we are reliving the Groundhog Day that we've been in for almost two years. So I think it gave us just the right amount of distance to immerse ourselves in the story, enjoy the story, but also be able to apply it to what we're all still currently dealing with in the real world. If it was about COVID, I think that would have been too much. But I I like that we could reference COVID but then not be in the world of COVID. Yeah. And I personally put this one off for a bit. I knew we were going to watch it for the podcast, but I left it until the last minute. Like I finished it last night and mostly because I wasn't feeling ready for it. I mean, for right now in like my lived reality, our school district has just shared that they're not going to be doing any more COVID exposure notices because frankly, what's the point? Last week, I kept my kids at home because at the moment I'm working remotely and had the privilege to keep them here. And in reality, it was an utter shit show. (laughs) So I'm trying to be positive, but like my son would want to sneak onto Minecraft rather than do history homework. But then like on the flip side, like he went for a 23 mile mountain bike ride one day. And then like my youngest sat one day and just played with scotch tape on her fingers for like two hours. But, you know, she also listened to the entire Fudge series by Judy Bloom. And then my middle child, you know, worked on a hydroponic science experiment and is studying like future tenses in Korean. And so I'm just saying that like COVID is a lot. It feels just like a disaster, but I am trying to like find the good and like where these disasters are happening. (laughs) But all that being said of like, even if we're coping okay sometimes and like these moments that just feel like utter shit, I ended up really enjoying happiness. And I think that it made really compelling analogies to what we're dealing with, but that future lens allowed for some distance. And I kept thinking that I guess like I was just trying to put a positive spin on like me being home with the kids, but being like, well, I guess it's not all horrible. They are doing some good things. As I was watching the drama, I kept thinking, well, at least we aren't that screwed, (laughs) right? Like COVID sucks, but you know, we're not gnawing our neighbor's necks for blood (laughs) with a desperate thirst. I read a lot of Black Plague nonfiction at the start of the pandemic 
probably for the same reason. And I think it was mostly to be like, I'm sitting in my house eating my like ninth loaf of sourdough homemade bread in two days. But, you know, at least we don't have a cart going up the street going bring out your dead every day for like 10 years or more like a generation oh my god <laughs> so let's set the scene you're told you must quarantine in your apartment building for about a week because of a highly infectious disease what food do you buy to keep in your bunker so so go for it amy let's hear it let's hear what survival amy's ready this to is do. a week this is for a week yeah yeah go for it amy you can tease me all the fuck we've just been wants. told by the government You've been told by the government you need to quarantine in your home. Let's hear what you're going to week <laughs> For a week. So first of all, my 12-year-old my son was sitting next to me while I was filling, this, filling out our script. So I asked him the question, I'm like, what would you have for, I'm like, for a week? And I said to him, I said, it should be like non-perishable stuff, which didn't quite click for him. So he's like, well, popcorn, of course. I'm like, well, skinny pop to be specific, right? Because that's his favorite. Then he's like grapes, blueberries, like just listing his favorite for chicken nuggets and strawberry ice cream and Twix. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't think, and this, what's cracking me up is like, I'm filling this out sitting next to me and we're watching The Walking Dead while this is all (laughs) happening. So this is what he comes up with. So for me, I mean, again, I was thinking of a week yeah, Amy read the assignment and, and I did it. The assignment. I'm sure Leah went like full prepper. I didn't see yeah. her answers. I'm sure Leah went full prepper and you can be proud of yourself, Leah. That is fine. So a week, I want my coffee. I want water. I want Twizzlers. I want my packets of lemon pepper tuna because those are non-perishable. And I eat those every day for lunch at school. Some rice, some oatmeal. And the big Target teddy bear full of animal crackers. Because I eat like a toddler. And because we've got some really good crunchy gala apples right now going on, I'm going to add those to the list. And yeah, you're correct. Neither I nor my son mentioned anything vegetable related. I maintain what I said about eating like a toddler. And most of what I have there is non-perishable. So I see no problem with any of it. I do love animal crackers. Animal crackers are great. Well, for my answer, you know, one thing I learned or one thing we learned that it is that it won't be a week. So Thank you, Megan. Uh, Thank, I'm you. Looking, Thank you for having some wherewithal. <laughs> I'm looking to prepare, you know, and it's going to be like three years, like COVID. So yeah. they're going to stay a week, Amy. They're going to stay a week, but understand the assignment is it's never a week. Well, <laughs> as far as understanding the assignment, I'm looking at your answer right now and you read Connor's answer as mine, which it wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let me answer first. Then you two can whatever hash it out. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I would get ramen. I mean, that's all you need is water or you can just eat it dry. Some soup in cans because that's got to last a long time. And I, I'm, I'm also the person in the house that is going to eat. I, I eat expired stuff. <laughs> kind of like a joke though. My husband's always like, I don't know. This is really close to the date. And I'm if it's but and I'm just like, oh, it's fine. It, it could be like 10 days past the date or like something. I'm like, oh, or a couple months I'll still eat it. But anyway, I would get spam and I would get cliff bars, like cliff bars. We like live on cliff bars in this house. And then just, you know, a lot of water. I mean, that's not all I'd get. I was just listing a couple things. Cause Leah went well, full prepper. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that I don't ever want to be in Amy's bunker. <laughs> Because even if I didn't pick skinny pop, which I'd want more caloric value than skinny pop, I like go. I do love skinny pop. Again, that was my son's choice. So I had some, I think I had some better choices. Amy is so offended. (laughs) She went by the assignment. She's mad that we changed. 
I went by the assignment <laughs> and Leah's judging me based on my 12 year old. Oh, yeah, so. I'm just saying that Megan was on the right track planning for the long haul stay. But I also made a list that I actually thought might be helpful for anyone who does want to establish a small bunker <laughs> and real talk. I personally think everyone should have a small bunker, especially Amy, because we like you and we want you to be with us after the apocalypse. Amy's face right now is so fucking pissed and judgy. I just want I just to cut you off. You that. didn't even see it. I blew you a kiss with my middle finger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So one is a glass jar of honey, simply because honey doesn't go bad. I didn't know like, that. You opened up Egyptian tombs and there's still honey. I don't like honey. Though. And in a pitch, <laughs> we're talking about this isn't <laughs> this is your survival. I don't care. I want to <laughs> eat what I like. I want my fucking Twizzlers. I could drink honey. I love honey a lot. Also, honey is good for wound care. So if you have an open wound, you can put honey on it and it will prevent some bacteria infections. Hard alcohol, also good for the bunker. It's good for bartering, <laughs> but also good for wound care. And let's face it, you're going to need to have a couple stiff drinks. Good for bartering? Dude, Oregon yes, trail. they never got into bartering and happiness, but real talk, there would have been bartering you're happening. Right. I would say canned, freeze-dried, and dehydrated meats are always good to have on hand. Canned, dehydrated, and freeze-dried veggies and fruit are good to have at hand. Something to put in your rice, Amy. Potato flakes, also good. Easy to store, last a long time. Cornmeal, you can do like a polenta. Salt and sugar, also good for bartering and to have. Powdered milk, oats, instant coffee and herbal tea. Vanilla extract lasts and never goes bad. And you can like flavor stuff with that. Dried beans, dried pasta, electrolytes, life straws and water purifiers. And I repeated myself a few times because I was ad hocing it. But that's what I would say would be like a reasonable, like I fully have resources on hand in my house because we live in a place with like a lot of impact. And I thought after the fires that happened, actually, where I was like having to grab boxes with food I was really happy I had like go boxes that were organized but like I'm just saying that if anything that we've been seeing the last couple of years is disasters can happen really quickly and without warning and we don't want to be the people who are running around trying to like break into people's homes to get their food because we are like unorganized so that's my take-home message for everyone listening to my best friend's husband is in the military and they have a go bag for their whole family. So it's like, it's them and their two kids. They have a go bag always packed. He's like ready to go in the event of something. I didn't know that both honey and vanilla extract just last forever. Yeah, I didn't either. I think honey will even in plastic, but I would keep it in jars. And then yeah, the vanilla extract is like a fun, you know, food addition. It might even taste better over time. Yeah. (laughs) Good to know. No more, you know, you didn't think you're gonna listen to this podcast and get some life skills. Look at that. (laughs) Leah, the prepper came through. (laughs) <laughs> so Park Young Sik is a former idol with ZEA, which actually just announced an upcoming comeback, or at least oh, released really? one. I don't know. So what is your experience with idols in dramas? So honestly, because I know way less about idols than you two do, I rarely know that an actor is an idol while I'm watching them or actor was an idol. Like I think Bae Susie was the only one I knew going in the first drama that I watched her and was uncontrollably fond. And I knew that she was one, but it's usually after the fact that I realized someone was an idol, like Crystal Jung, who I just learned on a quick Google search was an idol. And I had no clue when I saw her in airs and her character, Lee Bona was one of my favorite characters in the drama. And Park Young Shik was in airs too. Loved him as Jo Myung-soo. Had no idea he was an idol. I used to get surprised to find this out. Because when I find out that 
actors are idols. And then I go look them up and like, listen to them sing and they're fantastic singing and they're fantastic acting. I'm like, how can so many people be so good at both music and acting? But now I feel like it's maybe just the trajectory of idols. Like a lot of them seem to transition into acting. And I think also for a while, when I first started watching dramas, I was looking at this transition or this sort of duality through my Western lens, where we seem to find it shocking when established singers show up on screen. Like Lady Gaga right now is sort of making this transition, but she's also, you know, continuing her music career. And still, when I see a trailer for House of Gucci, my brain goes, oh, that's Lady Gaga, the singer. Every time I see her on screen, even though the you know, the film has nothing to do with singing and it doesn't mean she isn't a good actor. I just feel like it's less common here for people to be as big in the music scene. And then, you know, as big on screen as a lot of South Korean idols are, and maybe that's just my, you know, sort of personal bias, but now I'm just kind of used to it. Like I just kind of expect when I find out somebody was an idol, like, oh yeah, that seems about right. And it's not as shocking to me anymore. Yeah. So I was actually surprised to learn that there is like a slight stigma against idols as actors in, in Korea. So in my experience with idols, most really are performers first and recording artists second. They have a definite presence on screen and on stage and many of them you know do quite extensive acting in their music videos and many groups like ATs, NCT, ESPA just to name a few have like a lore and story behind their like group and act so they've learned how to play roles and it seems only natural then that they would progress into acting so it feels like kind of a treat then to go back and watch their old performances and appearances on reality shows but Amy you do bring up a good point especially now because a lot of these idols that are acting they were more popular you know like early 2000s when I wasn't like into k-pop so I often don't learn that these actors are idols until after I've seen them in a drama so the Lady Gaga analogy is really good it, it, it it's hard for me when I've seen them as musical acts first and then actors rather than the other way around especially though if they're like personalities like Lady Gaga I mean she's just very you know Lady Gaga rather than just like right. person who sings. Yeah. And I guess right now I'm thinking that just agreeing with both of you, because I feel like if I ever do end up seeing Snowdrop, I'm going to go into it seeing Jisoo first, like Blackpink Jisoo right away rather than the character, which could evolve over time, but just, you know, just throwing it out there. And I'm not sure if I'm going to see that drama, but I watched Siwon without ever seeing him first in Zia. Is it Zia? Yeah. Zia? Zia? I don't know if it's Zia or Zia. So without ever seeing him first in Zia or Z-E-A, because I honestly have no clue which one it is. But yeah, mostly now I feel like I'll see someone in a drama and then go back and check them out. And if they're an idol and I'm extra curious and needing to go down the rabbit hole, I'll find myself, you know, at one in the morning, like I was last night watching, you know, old videos of Zia slash Z-E-A, you know, music videos. So now is the favorite part of our show where we get to talk about our K-pop wreck of the week. So Megan, what do you have for us? Okay, so obviously this name has been a stumper for us. So we actually looked up an audio recording to say because, you know, the internet exists and is a thing. And it is not Z-E-A and it is not Zia. It is Zia, I would say. It's like a Zia. And we have an audio file if anyone wants to hear it. Here we go. Zia. So that is the name of the idol group Park Young Chick was in. And C1. Zaya. I like it. Zaya. Yeah, I do too. Okay. Look at this. Bunkers and better pronunciation. The more you know. 
the more you know. Honey lasts forever, and now we can talk about the group so that Megan can do our K-pop wreck of the week. I'm going to recommend Aftermath by Zaya. So which I'm, I hope I'm still saying it, or I hope I'm saying it okay. I'm trying. But yeah, Park Hung Sik was in Zaya, as well as Im Siwon, who is a favorite here on the podcast as well. And I think Aftermath has recently had a little bit of a resurgence, but I just love them. I watched the videos today of the song. It's a great song. A lot of them have gone on to do their own independent things, like Park Hung Sik. So yeah, check it out. It is Aftermath by Zaya. I definitely want to listen. I'm excited. I love seeing baby Siwon too. I just have such a soft spot for that guy. Oh, he's so cute. And it was funny because I saw an interview. So there's one, the one guy who was on Zaya, he hosts like an idol reality. He helps host an idol reality show now. And I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how like Aftermath has kind of had this resurgence. And he was like, no one cared about us back then. Like when we wanted all that attention, like no, like I don't, I don't, Think they were necessarily like the most successful group they did okay but he was like all irritated he's like why didn't they pay attention to us back then oh, well everybody has their moments if you enjoy our podcast you have our patrons to thank at least in part afternoon a delight patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there and not to brag but our patreon community is pretty awesome and you can join at a tier that feels good to you Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom. Because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www afternoonadelight.com and hey while you're on the website you can check out afternoon delight podcast merch find links to book recommendations bop along to our k-pop recs blow up your skin with k merch recs find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback and hey while you're at it why don't you pop over to spotify or apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review it really helps with our discoverability Gamsamnida. Now we are uh, moving into the spoiler section of the podcast. So if you don't feel like happiness is for you, but you want to stick around and hear more about the drama, here we are. Hang out. Otherwise, we're assuming you've seen happiness and, you know, want to be thinking more about the story and what happened and let's do it. So first, let's talk about that opening scene. Jung Hee-han, played by Park Hyun-sik, is sitting on the roof of his school with a cast on his leg. An injury has destroyed his budding baseball career, and he is very much in his fields. Police cars and ambulances are below, and first responders are begging him not to jump. Yoon Sebom, played to perfection by Han Kyoju, is sitting in her class, unable to leave because school can't be dismissed until Yi Hyun is coaxed down from the roof. Finally, fed up, she marches to the roof, blows past the police negotiator, and sits down next to brooding Yi Hyun. She tells him basically to shit or get off the pot, jump or get off the roof, do one or the other. She doesn't care. Just do it so she can go home. She puts his problems into perspective by hinting at her own challenge riddled backstory that involves hospital stays. Yi Hyun admits he never planned to jump. He was just bored. But when he stands up, she pushes him off the roof. In slow motion, he falls to the air-filled cushion below, but while doing so, gazes up at her adoringly because Yi Hyun just fell in love. 
So what do you think about this opening scene and how it introduces the characters? I fucking loved it. Like loved it. Sebom will call anyone on their bullshit. And while it sucked that his baseball career ended, he still had his whole life ahead of him. And she made him see that with one effortless push from a rooftop. The look of, wait for it, happiness on his face (laughs) as she sets him free from his expectations for himself and his life is fucking priceless. I want an exclusive NFT of his face in this moment. And if you want to talk NFTs, hop on back to our Mad for Each Other pod to hear Megan discuss non-fungible tokens of fart jars. You still won't get it. I love that scene. I loved his expression. I loved it all. So I watched Happiness first. And I remember after that scene, I messaged you guys and I was like, okay, that was legitimately one of the best opening scenes. Like not not like first episode, opening scene um i've seen yet in a drama and it reminded me a lot of i am not a robot in that it did a great job of introducing the characters so while we don't know the external plot yet in that first happiness scene you know we don't really know anything about the virus we do see right away that this drama will have strong character motivations and interpersonal relationships so i feel like the drama gave a clue to the viewers like this is what i'm going to make you care about I mean, it worked. I was already rooting for Sebom and Yihan to succeed after that first scene. And yeah, putting the characters front and center rather than the forthcoming virus is showing the, where the drama's priorities are. When we did the My Name podcast, Megan, we talked a little bit about how most stories tend to either be very plot driven or very character driven, obviously with aspects of both. And then there's sometimes like these special stories that are a bit more evenly right down the middle. And while I do think this one probably airs still a little bit more on the plot driven side, I think that there's, it comes with such a heavy dose of character, especially for the two leads that I think it was a drama that could make both of us happy because it was hitting both of our buttons, if that makes sense. But yeah, I think, look, the first scene, he literally falls in love. He falls in love as he falls. So like chef's kiss to that. And his face, like, I bought it. Yeah. Like, it was not just like the script was smart to do it. His performance sold it because I felt like his face, I believed he fell in love as he fell. Yeah. (laughs) The way he looked at her was so great. And it was like slow motion. Oh, so good. I had shivers. It was so good. So, so good. I fell in love. Agreed. I was like, (laughs) I'll take him. So happiness takes zombie lore and gives it a new twist. How? Well, the infected aren't actually dead. It's more of a rabies-like infection in which the infected have episodes where they turn zombie-like and thirst for blood. They can also hide being infected unless they see human blood. But even then, some are strong enough to prevent an episode. So what did you like about this disease infection premise? And how do you think it made for a more compelling drama? This was so cool. Like, I love this idea because it added a big morality factor to the idea of zombieism. Happiness isn't the first to do this. Like, you know, I'm I'm currently watching The Walking Dead with my son and it happens in The Walking Dead too, where most people see the walkers as monsters while some still see them as people. And it makes them harder morality wise to kill when you see a walker as a person. But in The Walking Dead, they are dead. Like you, you know, you have to die to become a zombie. Whereas in Happiness, we now have killer zombies who don't stay killer zombies. Sure, they'll rip your throat out and drink your blood. But when the episode is over, they become lucid again and are remorseful. And this turns the morality factor way up because these aren't monsters. These are sick people. And do they deserve to die, even if they kill someone, you know, if they are being controlled by the virus rather than 
acting of their own free will. It's just like, it raises some really good questions because it's so different when you're talking about people who are sick and not right. dead. Yeah. I love this virus lore so much that I'm surprised it kind of hasn't been done or like more frequently. I, I mean, I haven't really seen it before. It made for a much more fascinating storyline because you didn't always know who was hiding an infection. And sometimes you, as in the audience, could tell who was infected and other times you could not, you know, and it's funny because I wanted to yell often like, oh my gosh, if you've been bitten or you've been scratched, like tell people, but I also sort of got it. You know, many of them were really scared. They were kind of in denial and we've learned from COVID that not everyone is really truthful about their exposures. I also found it interesting that there were some who could control their thirst longer than others others if they were like kind of quote strong enough was how the drama was selling it which I think was a plot device just to show us how freaking heroic Yi Hyun could be but I loved it anyway because isn't that like a great universal fantasy that a man loves you so much that he can hold back his thirst for human blood to protect you I mean pretty badass I love that so much yeah he can be in an episode and pull himself out of it voice yeah not eat you oh so good that's how so good. So which character did you identify with the most? Or basically, who would you have been in the Forest Lucille building? Oh, this is a tough one because I want to be no bullshit, say bum. And for some of it, I think I would be like, I have zero tolerance for bullshit. And in a crisis, that tolerance dips even lower. Also, the way she protects Seiyun, the young girl from apartment 502. If my kids are with me, I think I could go much more badass for their sake. But truly... I want to be the one fucking person who just does what they're supposed to do and stays in their damn department, but we would have no drama otherwise, but at least Ji Jung Sil, our Ajuma who becomes infected stays the hell inside once she realizes this, but it's a little too late at this point. And I realized we'd have no drama. Like I said, if people just did what they were supposed to do. And I also realized that this is where my frustration with our current pandemic bleeds into my frustration with the cast of our drama but it's a frustration that worked for me. Like exasperation with what's happening is key to what makes this drama so compelling. No one does what they're supposed to do. So anything can happen. Love that point. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is really a good point. And again, everyone is like thinking for themselves, like everyone in this drama had like their own motivations, you know, you know what I mean? Like the, I don't remember everyone's name, but the woman who was having an affair with the doctor and then an affair with the lawyer. Like, you know, she was just thinking of herself. She's like, I got to get the key. or I got to get the code to, to steal money. And the lawyer just wanted to, I don't know, have an affair and then get cases to make more money. I mean, it was like everyone had like their own little goals and that would, you know, obviously conflict with other people. And to me, that is even as frustrating as it was. That's why the drama works so well to me because it was so character driven. And I mean, the, the task that they had was a simple, you know, a relatively simple task, which is stay where you are. <laughs> don't spread the virus. Just stay where you yeah. are or like, just don't leave the building. Mm-hmm. And because everyone had these little like nuances of what they thought was important, they were like, well, if I just do this one thing, it's going to be fine. Right. But when every single person in the entire building does their little thing, even our heroic leads. Yeah. Right. We get freaking zombies in the building. It's so it's so <laughs> true. It's like everyone, well, it's kind of like the same thing. Everyone just thinks they're like an exception to the rule. Like I always, you know, well, but I'm just going to do this little thing. It's not going to affect anyone. It's like, well, yeah, everything has a ripple effect. And now like you fucked up the whole apartment building. And even the leads who think that they're, what they're doing is to 
protect everybody else, which that's their motivation, it still causes a mess. Yeah. I mean, definitely like Sebom and Yihun, like they definitely made decisions that they thought were for the good of people and it ended up backfiring. Yeah. If they just sat with their big food supply, like quarter way through the drama <laughs> and just been like, whatevs to everyone else, they yeah. would have probably, yeah. Just lie there in your separate beds. We'll get there. Yeah. So I think I would have been the writer, Hyun Kyung, played by Parky Bond. She just looked bewildered, confused, and sad the entire time. But she tried her best to be kind and share her resources. So I really thought that they were setting her up to be kind of like a weak character who like, you know, kicks the bucket or gets bitten. But in the end, you know, her kindness was rewarded. You know, she survives and she always sees the others as people, especially when her brother is infected. And like, I adore her and her brother at the end of the drama. Oh my gosh, they were the best. Like this. (laughs) them at the end of the drama it's like so like the last two episodes of this drama let me just say right now are like bananas like so much stuff is happening it's just a lot like the plot is just like rushing at you but she's just like wandering around the apartment building with her brother who's been infected but he hasn't like had an episode in a while like it turns out he has the antibody but so, but she makes him just wear these gloves and like the catcher's mitt. The catcher's he- mask is the, like, that is the, that is the best. I yeah, laugh he, so like, much. They're both just like trying to help people out. And he's like, you know, I, he was just so cute by the end. I, I love them. But anyway, even when she realizes that Yi Hyun is infected and she even like tries to help him out, she like gets him in his apartment. She covers him with a blanket. And I just, I don't know. I thought she was just really sweet and she was trying her best. I mean, she wasn't like a genius and she made some mistakes, which would like totally be me. But, you know, she was like a romance web novelist and had a super cute apartment. So I liked her a lot. I'd be the guy in apartment 15. Yeah, obviously. you would. Yeah, you I mean, so not because yeah. of the penthouse, no. but just I feel like yeah. I... He had everything. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I just think that like there have been times where I have gone into rabbit holes for situations and started to prepare to my husband's great annoyance at times. I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Like I have identified local caves and springs that we can go to in case of certain catastrophes. I just like to be prepared. However, I can also feel like it's relatable that I could end up murdered in a utility closet coated in line because <laughs> I finally decided to trust like one or two good people and it all backfires. Aww. He was cute. He, he was. was gone too soon. I thought he was adorable. When he showed up in the PPE, I was like, oh my God, I love him. I marry him. <laughs> <laughs> so happiness has some jump scares, plot twists, and a whole lot of gym meetings. <laughs> and what's funny, I just want to say is that when you two were watching this, because you watched it before me, you kept mentioning gym meetings and I was picturing like a basketball gymnasium. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, this is like a workout, like hotel or, you know, yes. uh, apartment complex gym. But it was just funny in my mind. I was thinking a gymnasium for a meeting and I was kind of like, okay, that makes sense. And then I saw they're all like in this workout space. So what are some scenes that surprised you or made you gasp? So I think my favorite like WTF moment is when Yi Hyun, they're in there in the gym. It's a gym meeting. When Yihan slices his hand to fill a cup with blood and they're all, everybody who is still not a zombie or infected with, they call it madman rabies. Everybody's in the gym and they're standing in a big circle and people are like, you know, you could be infected and not be showing it. You could be infected. And so he's like, all right, let's like suss out who's infected, slices his hand, drips the blood into a cup and just walks around in the circle. And it is 
our poor, sweet supermarket cashier, Lebo Ram, who is given no sign of being infected, just suddenly turns and snarls as soon as she gets away from the blood. And it is a great plot twist and a jump scare because she was the last person I expected to be infected. I love that. That was a fun scene. Yeah, I love that scene so much. And that was definitely one that completely took me like off guard. Like I gasped. I think I jumped. That's when you know that some people can truly hide it. Correct. She was one of those other ones. She was trying so hard. And like, it's like they go back and then show like when everybody was grabbing a drink and she didn't grab one because if you drink, you get overly thirsty for water when you're infected. The more you drink, the closer you come to an episode. So she was like abstaining from drinking and like, you don't notice that until after the fact and they go back and show you. And it's like, oh, that's awesome that they put like some, you know, little clues in there that you totally don't pick up on. Yeah, that is the first time that you realize they can hide it because after that is when they kind of that like pastor guy, they like show him how he's been hiding it too. But yeah, you don't realize it really until that super, the scene with the supermarket girl. So I'm going to kind of skip to the end here, but I will admit when I first started watching the drama, I saw a spoiler on Twitter, of course, because no one there cares, (laughs) but it it was just a screen grab of Yihan, like pulling down his shirt to reveal a bite. So like, I knew he was going to be infected. I mean, that's all I saw though. So it wasn't like huge, but, and I don't know, probably could have deduced that that was going to happen. However, the scene that made me gasp and like lose my like total shit is when he's on the rooftop with Andrew, the serial killer, because an apartment full of infected people isn't enough. We need we need a serial killer inside, too. (laughs) (laughs) And Yeehan had just sent Sabom and, you know, the girl they were going to be protected. And yeah, he knew they were they were okay. And now, well, he was stuck on the rooftop with Andrew, who had a gun and Andrew was going to shoot him. So. You know, Yihan does this whole little monologue. He's like, he's like all bloody and he's like staring at the sky, but he's all happy. And he's saying how like this day is beautiful. And he met Sabom and fell in love with her just on a day, just like this on a rooftop. And, you know, I got it. Like, I'm always going to love like a really good callback, especially in like a romance plot line to like an earlier scene like that, especially when that scene was so good in the first episode. So Andrew, you know, with the gun asked him to turn around and Yihan kind of like he's used this camera's just like on his back. Okay. And he kind of like drops his head between his shoulders and then he looks back. And bam, we get zombie E-Hun with like white eyes. And it is just epic. Like I did, I honestly did not see that coming. I did not see him like turning in that moment. And I just, I just loved it so much, you know, because that's when you know that he controlled himself for so long when Sabom was around. But as soon as he knew she was safe, like all bets are off. All right. So he takes a chunk out of Andrew <laughs> and makes the hottest zombie since, you yeah. know, Gongyu. So I also have to add that this was episode 11. It is. Because it's always episode 11. The theory sticks. Yep. Even when it's a 12 episode drama, like it's right? not the pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. So I really love the Andrew Chomp too. I want to talk about it a little bit towards the end, but I just want to give a shout out to the character that just creeped me a lot, which was <laughs> the security guard who just like kept like hanging outside just like always desperate for a nibble. Just, you know, every time they would like look out those doors, he'd be there like, hey, just what's up? And like, yeah, and like, and like he's fine and he's like all veiny. Uh, he's, oh, he's covered he's in blood. Totally he's covered in blood. He was a creepy dude. And he's like, I'm totally cool, guys. <laughs> yeah, but he was like that desperate, like, all, like, you know, when somebody's just very calm, like, no, it's, I'm totally 
good. It's fine. Just yeah. good. And it was just, just like, open no. the door. Oh God. He just, just like made me. Door. Yeah. Just open the door. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's his teeth chattering. Oh, he just, yes. He out. was good. He was really good. Yeah. He was good. Let's talk about the romance. And did we forget to mention this was a marriage of convenience trope? Because it is. Sebom and Yihan get engaged to earn the points needed to get this fancy apartment. Did you like how the romance progressed? And were you satisfied with the happily ever after? Let's also discuss how Yihan and Sebom were both alphas, but different kinds of alphas. Who would wear the fanny pack? <laughs> yeah, just call back in case you aren't familiar with some of our previous <laughs> alpha talk but basically we kind of define alphas as the leader and the one he's not necessarily always just like the alpha hole like a good alpha is going to be a leader he's going to wear a fanny pack with supplies for his squad he's going to have the cheesy crackers ready to go in case anyone gets low blood sugar you know that's that's on a cruise to the bahamas (laughs) yeah (laughs) on the cruise So I loved their romance. And I think my only complaint about it was that I wanted to see more of it. But I realized that this drama wasn't about the romance. It was about the situation in the apartment complex. So I wasn't like disappointed that we didn't get more romance. Like I, I was good with what we had, but I just loved them so much. And I love their dynamic. I love their happily ever after, except for the he's dead. No, he's not. Never mind how he got better ending. And I 100% think that Yihyun is the alpha who'd have the fanny pack with snacks and first aid for all, while Sebum would be the one who acts first, worries about how everyone's doing after. Both of these are admirable, you know, qualities. They're both admirable alphas and take charge in their own ways. Sebum was just not the one to wear a nurturing heart on her sleeve, even though her nurturing heart is in there under her complete and utter badassery. Yeah, I agree with this. Say bomb would not be wearing the fanny pack. I think she'd help make a list of the supplies, but she'd get distracted. She'd get distracted and would need to leave to go yell at someone while waving a baseball bat. While Yihan would carefully pack the supplies, wear the fanny pack, and then go exert some alpha vibes to get everyone to calm down and call off Say bomb, who was basically the mad dog of Forrest's Lucille (laughs) apartment building. Call back to mad for each other. So I found this romance really sweet. This thing, I loved that with all the chaos going on, I mean, there is a lot going on that we got a sweet, you know, they didn't like, I don't think I could have taken this like angsty, weird miscommunication, them fighting each other as well as fighting, you know, infected people. So it was just so very easy to root for them. They're smart, capable, caring, and just overall, you know, good people, but they weren't boring good. They have their flaws and they were just so very real. So when Sabom gets to safety and finds the video that Yihan left on her phone and she watches it like over, like he's back. She knows he's infected at this point. So she knows he's back at the apartment where like chaos is raining, but she's finally safe because she had to get the little girl to safety. And also she like had the antibodies. So she finds this video that Yihan left on her phone and she watches it over and over again. Oh my gosh. Like I, I cried and, you know, I loved her badass take charge attitude. You know, at that point she was going to go back and she was going to get her man. And by God, she did. And only her voice could call Yihan back from a bloodthirsty episode. And then we finally get a kiss. And did I want more? Yes, but I'm happy that like I got a kiss and a happily ever after, even if the fake out drove me crazy. But <laughs> so I'm not saying I want more angst. I didn't need angst, but I always love longing. And so I do have a little quibble here that there was some longing. Like he gave great puppy dog little eyes, <laughs> but I could have 10 out of 10 had like more staring 
from the twin beds that they had. Like I wanted more of him just staring at her or her staring at him pining over breakfast, but you know, it's a minor quibble, but I will say I did start to judge Sabom for being such a dumbass <laughs> because I was like, he is like really in love with you. Yes. And I mean, like, look, the payoff, I cried for the phone call when she like puts it all together too for herself and realizes she's got big feels. But I mean, like we were like at the end of the drama and this whole drama, she's got this big whole man in a twin bed next to her. And I'm like, you know, it's fine. It's the drama and I go with it. But like in real life, I don't think anyone's that dumb. Yeah. I mean, I did find, I did like that. I did like that the realization came independent. Okay. So I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to word what I'm trying to say here. I feel like she fell for him sort of independent of his feelings for her. Meaning I think she wasn't just like, oh, there's a guy here who really likes me. So like, I guess I'll like go for it. I really think that the drama showed how well they they make a team, like how great partners they are, how best friends. And I think she came to just really love him for his capableness of how he cared for her, how he cared for his friends, the the apartment complex people, the little girl. So I kind of like that. that I like that aspect of it. I think she really... But they'd also been close for so long. Like this wasn't like their first time together. So, I mean, look, I'm not quibbling. I think that the way the story was structured, it makes logical sense. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's just like, I always, I think I always, always, always have just like a, and it's fiction. Look, it's, there's a lot more things in this world to worry about. But when somebody has been like besties with a big tasty snack forever, <laughs> I just like, I'm always like, really? Just yeah, really? do you not see him? Really what? <laughs> I'm like, she rejected him in high school. Like he asked her out and she was like, yeah. no. So no, like, and look, this is a tale as old as time friends to right. lovers. This is like a premise we've all done, you know, where I'm just oblivious to like the super delicious man in my life. But you know, I, it always does make me laugh a little bit because I don't know, maybe I'm just like not so sweet. And I love that they put him in like tight baseball pants for like the first episode like thank you to wardrobe for deciding that yeah yeah and thank you for letting him have a bat too it just gave me some of those train to busan callbacks as well yes it was hot when they had the baseball bats on the train and it was hot when he had the baseball bat in the apartment building yep you know do either of you see signs yes Mm -hmm. okay so do you remember this do you remember like the whole storyline with Joaquin Phoenix where it, it was like the same way? Wasn't he like an ex-baseball player? I just remember it was water and it was like, the, that's the dumbest thing. And it's like aliens come to a planet that is mostly water. And right, that is I know, one but I, I actually, I, but I do remember that Joaquin Phoenix was like, it was the same thing. He was like an ex-baseball player and was like injured or something like that. And he hadn't like picked up a baseball bat since he got injured or something like that. And, but um, the aliens were like, in their house and there's a glass of water sitting I on did the table see this movie. Just, like, rips- I did see this movie. <laughs> oh, did you? And he rips the bat off the wall and just takes a swing at the water and kills the aliens. And it's so freaking cool. It's a really good scene. And it made me think a little bit of that because, you know, Yihan obviously, well, he was playing like recreation baseball. So he was still kind of playing, but he couldn't play pro. So I kind of like seeing him again with like a bat. But we do need to point out that he always gave Sabom the best weapons. When they went to the grocery store, he had like a mop. He gave Sabom <laughs> <laughs> the best weapons like he always let her have the best weapons and she like knew what she was doing because she say bomb she can do it she's like an anti-terrorist yeah right? she's like a s- special she was like on a special law enforcement squad and he's a yeah. detective so there you go 
Within the apartment building, there was a clear class distinction on renters versus owners, as well as among those considered in less desirable jobs like cleaners as opposed to lawyers or doctors. Did you find this realistic and believable, especially in light of our current pandemic situation? Well, yes, I did. And this is what made the drama for me. (laughs) So I felt like, look, we had people getting paid to do the shit no one else with money wanted to do, like gather food in the um, apartment complex grocery store or go take a little walk around for rabies people and get a sense of the situation. And so that really kind of reminded me a lot of essential workers during this pandemic, where we have had a whole bunch of people, including myself, who've been able to often work remotely in homes with you know, everything locked up and relatively safe. And then we have folks ranging from educators like Amy to healthcare workers on the front line to people, you know, keeping gas stations running and food services running all these quote unquote essential workers who got like applauded for so long. And now we're just like, whatever, just like do our shit. (laughs) And that's really like, was like the core once it gets down to it is, you know, we just want people to take our money and do the shit. And I don't know, in some ways, that's what this really felt like a metaphor for. And I thought that was pretty powerfully done. Also, I thought there was some well done aspects in like the shame of having the virus and particularly how you contracted it. Mm. And then I also, you know, like you're reacting in real time. And that the result sometimes is really that, you know, to make an omelet, you're going to have to break a few eggs, so to speak. However, then there's this humor nature of, but you don't want to break your eggs. So we've got the colonel here who's really, he was a complex character. He's trying to control the whole situation, moving parts, being like, okay, we're going to have to like round up folks who are infected and kind of treat them as other, you know, move them off, possibly kill them. We're going to lock up everyone else, you know. And then we realize, yes, this does make some sense because you kind of do have to save like greater society. So I can kind of see where you're going with this. And your infected wife is sitting there and you're going to make sure she gets like the only cure dose when it comes available. Yeah. So one thing the three of us discussed in some earlier conversations is that happiness got right what silence C got wrong. So let's <laughs> chat about that. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to our episode on the silence C, we had a lot of issues, but like in happiness, there's like science. It might not be entirely plausible science, but at least we have government officials trying to explain what's happened trying to figure out if it's a virus or a drug that causes the madman rabies, as they call it, and then trying to figure out how to fix it with science, with medicine. The one really big thing that I thought was missing from The Silent Sea, a science fiction drama. I've been fine with a totally bonkers plot in The Silent Sea if I cared about the characters and if the drama was character-driven and focused, but it wasn't. And so I know we kind of shit on The Silent Sea already for like an entire episode, but happiness put into perspective to me why The Silent Sea, you know, wasn't successful for me. You know, basically give us give us characters to care about. That's I 100% that's- agree. Like that was definitely another, you know, ding on the, uh, on my grade of The Silent Sea. It Cared about nobody when the drama ended. I think you're both right, really. It's science and character. But for me, look, straight up, we got a PowerPoint in (laughs) happiness. And like when the PowerPoint showed up, I was like, because all I want is someone to logic me out in the crisis with a PowerPoint. And I was like, yes, very simple. And I like immediately believe you because you have a PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) Not like go and retrieve this sample. So we have these people... They're something, I won't tell you what, and you need to go in and figure out what they are, go. 
<laughs> and stay away and from stay them. Away. No, not, they're not even. We don't know why they're volatile. We don't know what they'll do to you, but just but stay it would, away from it them. wouldn't even be stay away from them. It would be like, can you, you need to go find these people. They're a little different than us. We don't really know how oh, different yeah. they are, but just bring them back. <laughs> bring them but back. if their eyes are white, don't bring them back until their eyes are not white anymore. Yeah. Got a wound, but it looks like it's not getting worse. Bring them back. <laughs> we don't know why. We don't know why. And yeah. then we have gone you being like, okay, sounds good to me. That all checks out. <laughs> you want me to find somebody with an unhealing wound to bring them back? Okay. Got it. I don't question my orders. <laughs> so any last thoughts that you need to get off your chest? Okay. So I mentioned it briefly when we were talking about the romance, but like, this is really my, my only quibble and it's a small one, but like, I'm still not over the, he's almost dead. Flash forward to the end and he's fine. Fake out because I never believed for a second that Gihyun was dead or near death anyway like it happened really quickly you know the the scene where Sebom is finally like you know she's holding him in his arms he's been shot a bunch of times she's screaming and crying and I'm like he's not freaking dead like and it wasn't even like you know I didn't want an amnesia like I'm glad there was no amnesia or anything like that like I didn't (laughs) I wasn't looking for that but there was so little time between that and then like flash forward and like we're swinging arms and walking in the sunshine and I just, I, not even the tiniest bit worried that he was dead, that I was like, why even fake us out that he's dead if you're not going to give us something to truly emote about? I don't know. It's a tiny gripe. I loved this drama. It's off my chest. I'm good. Yeah. So I watched this drama live. So I didn't have like anyone to reassure me that this was going to end well. Okay. Like when Amy was watching it, I was like, trust me. Right. It's a good drama. I like it. So she had like, she knows me. And she knows that if like this hero tragically died at the end, I wouldn't have been like, yeah, it's great. Watch <laughs> so, so like, I love the last two episodes and I was thinking like, you know, I, cause I will say the pacing for some of the earlier had me a little on the fence. There was just like a lot of like walking and stairs and meetings and gyms. And I was like, I don't know if this pacing is working for me. And then the last two episodes came and I was like, oh my God, if this drama ends correctly, then it stuck the landing and pulled it off. And then came this like, fake out death scene <laughs> and I will tell you my reaction wasn't sadness it was anger because I was like if they went through all this shit and this drama actually kills him like I'm gonna riot like I'm gonna hate it I'm gonna give it zero stars so but in the end like yeah it really quickly then went to him like being alive and fine and I was like okay okay but so I, I didn't love the fake out either because it just was like stupid I didn't think it needed to be done like they could have had him be gravely injured and then like paramedics rushing in or something but you know whatever it's it same thing it's a minor quibble because thank god he's alive and happy with his bummer I loved it when he called her that when he's like bummer so I have to say, this is something that makes me laugh too, because Megan and I have like this, like very yin and yang alignment. So I actually really enjoyed the first three fourths more than the last quarter. I got to the end and I was like, this just feels like now we're like fast driving the plot to me. And I liked more yes. of like the walking around the gym. Oh, uh, see, I love that. I love the, like, I love just utter chaos like I love that so much but I get it that yeah we're very different yeah so it just makes me laugh because I was like totally fine with all the gym meetings I was like yep let's get back to that gym and see what's going on <laughs> down there so anyway oh but I have to say I didn't like the fake out I didn't like the fake out at all but here's the thing is I 
was okay with it because I thought she was going to have him bite her to like get the end of like her antidote or something. So I thought we were going to get like some sort of like, I was waiting for her to be like, well, he's always going to be fine because like she, even if like her cure was waning, I thought she was going to be able to like dribble some blood in his mouth. I don't know. That's what I really thought we were going with or something like that. I was kind of pumped for it and then it didn't happen. So I thought, yeah, I agree with everything you said, but here's the biggest thing I think once he was bitten, I was like, oh well this is fun because I was like Megan said the ending is really amazing we're gonna have like rabid mad dog crazy ass Andrew like just loose as a goose that's what I thought I would have loved that I thought too I I thought we were gonna have that too I thought it was gonna be like a zombie like constantly totally jump scare after jump scares I was like oh shit like we're in it now and then no like we didn't get that we got like the tiniest little zombie Andrew moment after that so I was like well what was the whole freaking point of Andrew then like I thought Andrew was really going to come down to this like final showdown like zombie against thing. zombie and instead, yeah instead we were in that oh, military oh, that would have been we were in that military complex with you know Boma trying to get out and that's fine but I was like I'm in I'm in for zombie Andrew like what are we getting to zombie Andrew and then he just was like hiding in the bunker room at the very end and like shoots you know Hina and then yeah whatever turns into a zombie and dies I was like Wah. yeah that's true could have had yeah definitely the ending could have had some different rewrites i just still i think it doesn't it's a quibble i had to I get think, it off my yeah, chest right no 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 it's i i actually totally agree with you i, I really do because i thought there i thought some different things were gonna happen i actually thought bama was gonna like show up and i thought hyun was just gonna be like just a crazy zombie all the time like that's what i thought i thought he was gonna like not be able to come back until say bomb showed up like i thought he was just gonna be a constant zombie until Sabomb showed up and like I thought they were gonna have this like showdown where she was gonna like point a gun at him and he was gonna be like maybe he was gonna bite her maybe not and then she like coaxed him back like that too does that make sense yeah I thought it's gonna be like more dramatic but then I kind of did like the scene where they were in their apartment because it was like you know their pictures hanging above them on the couch and it's like their place their happiness their home and that's when she could like call him back so it was in such like agony like I was feeling you know like he did not want to be living the zombie life no poor guy and so I just felt so bad alone so under his good. little blankie just like being a zombie oh my god oh, like shaking gosh, under his blanket like it was horrible <laughs> but I loved it because like there was so much emotion to him trying to control himself yeah. And I, I mean, that to me was really like a huge yep. part of the drama is they just show that this man willing to do so much to protect the people he loves and the people he loves the most. His happiness. And yeah, happiness. As you can see, we did all like this drama. I don't know if you're still listening and you haven't seen it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we ruined it for you, but <laughs> we warned I you. Hope, I mean, you know. if you stayed, we're, we're grateful, but we I think you, you could still time. enjoy it. I think you could still go back and enjoy it, but I really pleasantly surprised at how I thought this was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was a little nervous that you weren't, I, I thought you would like it. Cause I thought the characterizations were really good. And I really thought you'd like Hyung Sik. Like I like, or yeah. Boma. I thought all the characters were, you know, even when they were a bit one note, like the doctor or whatever, they were still interesting to watch. Yeah. Completely. Agree. I just could have taken a lot more Andrew. Yeah. Honestly, when he took his mask off, I remember I was really confused. That's when I was like, where's this drama going? Cause I'm like, am I supposed right, to know right. who he is? Cause they took it. He took the mask off. It was like the very end of an episode and everyone's like, <gasps> like bang, bang, Maxwell silver hammer. <laughs> Cause that was the other thing too. <laughs> we get like the whole expository backstory of him just running around with his hammer, like hammering. Yeah, seriously. Around soul. He totally is just hammering people. But like, <laughs> 
it never really like tied into like okay well but now like right but like why for so long was he just keeping himself under wraps and he could have just been hammering everybody <laughs> he could have been hammering everyone the whole time <laughs> like, he was he actually rather helpful. trapped with him just ripe for hammering <laughs> he was helpful like he was slicing <laughs> his arm to get blood like i was like you know andrew's really coming to the table with some service <laughs> I honestly was hoping Andrew was going to end up being like a hero, but like how he shifted from being kind of maybe slightly good or on like the good team to just being like, I just want to fucking kill Boma with my silver hammer beyond <laughs> anything. Like all I want to do is kill Boma. And I was like, there's not really like any, like, I know he's a serial killer, but like he was very fixated on wanting to like fuck up Boma. Of course he was, but I don't feel like it was grounded. Like I needed it to be grounded in some sort of a moment. Like, seeing happiness right. and then being like no happiness for you i'm gonna like you know i feel it's like just that's like no they... it's just like i want to hammer you yeah and only you really <laughs> out of everyone and not hammer you in the good way <laughs> yeah yihan wanted to andrew wanted to use an actual hammer and i was there i kept waiting one of these beds coming to together but especially push them to get rid of those freaking nightstands and push the goddamn beds they're together. not even matching beds that's a tiny gripe too totally totally different like random twin beds (laughs) all right well i do have a book recommendation yay and it's a nonfiction, but i think it really fits the theme of this drama and it's called get well soon heroes worst plagues and the heroes who fought them and it's by jennifer wright and i would say i listened to the audiobook and it is fantastic it is the most hilarious witty story of plagues leprosy and polio that anyone's ever gonna find but really it just is like very accessible it covers like these like famous plagues in history it was written before covid which is actually very interesting because she ends it kind of talking about what will be like the next plague oh wow but for example just one short story that she has is from town in germany where a woman began dancing and didn't stop and she danced until she basically like her feet wore off and like she was done and more and more people in the village began these dance they weren't dancing for happiness it was just this grim dancing and it was the dancing play and dancing play like spread through this area in germany like over 500 people or something were like stricken with this plague and they've never been totally sure what caused it they've got theories but and she has a fairly compelling theory of what she thinks happened but you know and so it's just for these times it's dark humor gallows humor but also kind of like a fascinating especially if you like history megan i think it's just it's a enjoyable book about dark subject matter yeah i'm like i'm getting the audiobook right now actually yeah so you will find yourself because laughing so good and learning and being like well covid sucks but at least i'm not in the justinian plague <laughs> which is how i was Wait, I already bought it. I know. I think I have it too. Okay. Well, just a shout out. Cause I was like, when I was bringing it up, I'm like, I know I've talked about this before. Cause I feel like this is a book I recommend. I've listened to it twice. That's awesome. I'm excited. I, I have to, now it's like, I got to remember. Yeah. I've already got it in my, it's like, it's in your library. So yeah. And she's a very like witty, funny narrate. Like she, the author narrates. Oh, it. this sounds fun. This sounds fun. And what's, you know, to wrap <laughs> in a weird way. Yeah. In a weird way. It's <laughs> yeah. fun. And just like happiness in a weird way was fun. Yes. <laughs> So what's everyone watching? I feel like I've been watching Reply 1988 for at least 1900 years. <laughs> since I love, don't get me wrong, <laughs> since 1988, right, since I was in <laughs> junior high. I love this drama, don't get me wrong, but it is a long haul for sure, especially when 
I have to like, you know, find little pockets of time to watch it. You know, when I've got my kids here, it's going well. I'm on episode 12. I love it. I do like park bogum smile lights up my life. And that's really all I need. But uh, I have a lot of hours to, to go, but I'll finish it by the time we do our podcast on it. Cause we've got a little bit of time before that. But you, Megan. So I'm started while you were sleeping which is a drama that I've seen recommended so many times. And I finally just decided to take the dive because I was looking for, you know, a romance with that could hold my interest. And I am loving it. Like, I have to say the first episode was very good. Like one of the best first episodes of a drama that I've seen. It just did a really good job setting up the characters and especially like the plot, which is just very cool. Basically, Bay stars in it and she dreams what happens in the future. And then the male lead also starts dreaming of what happens in the future. And basically they then try to stop the bad things from happening. But once you stop bad things from happening, then like other things are affected and it's getting complicated and cool. But like Bay Susie is really awesome. I love the male lead and yeah, it's just, it's really holding my attention and I like it a lot. So I just finished happiness last night. I took this one down to the wire and I'm actually glad I did because it was fun to talk about it. Like having jumped right off of finishing it. Right. I had barged faded to love you right before that, which I also enjoyed. So right now I don't have a drama. So I guess I'm going to be deciding tonight or, you know, sometimes I take a little breather between dramas. I'm also on a book deadline. And so I might do like a variety show for a couple of days. I don't know. I'll see where the mood takes me after I write 3000 words tonight. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I will say too, I just watched the BL drama Tinted with You, which was very short. It's only eight episodes and they're like 15 minutes long. I will say if you want kind of just like a little bit of a palate cleanser, that was really cute. And if anyone else tinted, that, that was on Vicky. Tinted with You, because there's like a painting okay. art type theme in it. And yeah, it was just, it was really cute. So just... If anyone needs a little, it's a little time travel. Um, and I'm amazed at what they were able to do in these like short little episodes. Okay. Well, I want to give a shout out to the army members in Afternoona who are like keeping me completely immersed with like an entire TikToks catalog of BTS videos as well. So I probably have enough content to get me through like a COVID winter at this point All right. as well. Good, good. All right. Awesome. Well, Megan, have fun at the AT's concert. Yes. We cannot wait to hear yeah. about that. And listeners, we wish all of you tons of happiness. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon and Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T. Com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!